Welcome into episode 68 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin sitting in his master bedroom closet. Uh, how are you doing there, Philip? Uh, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a tad bit buzzed. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I respect it. It's a good Sunday. We got football, game 162 for Major League Baseball. You know, there's a lot going on here. You know, it's, it's not a bad day to sit back and tie one on. Oh, no, no, no. Plus, all my fantasy teams are doing well, so I'm, I'm both celebrating and uh, just enjoying a Sunday at home alone with the pets. It's a good day. Yeah, for sure. I, I will PSA, because I assume that you're talking about NFL fantasy. I will PSA and say, never do college football fantasy. I had a buddy text me and say, hey, we need one more guy for our league. And I said, sure, yeah, I'll do it. And I've lost every game. So uh, I'm never doing that again after this year. Um, there um, there are NFL, and i got to think the name of it, but there are NFL fantasies where you can actually draft college players, like pick two or three ahead, like during the college football season, to lock onto before the NFL draft. Um, I have no interest in doing that because I just pick all the OSU players and, and feel really stupid about it. Yeah, exactly. That that sounds like enough work that uh, I'm not I'm not too interested in. Uh, moving on a little bit, so I meant to uh, plug this at the uh, the preview for the Kansas game uh, on Wednesday when we recorded, but due to the fact that there was so much to talk about, it kind of slipped my mind, so I'm going to make sure to do it now at the beginning of this episode, and as Micah has put on the social media, on our, our Twitter page and on Facebook, and Philip and I have been plugging this on social media as well, we're doing a live podcast in the Iron Monk Tap Room in Stillwater on uh, 6th Street. And so be sure to be there and, you know, come and hang out. We're doing from 6.30 to 8.30. Mike and I are going to record pretty early, about 6.37. You come hang out and watch. And then we're just going to hang out with anybody that wants to be there and get to know you guys. We'd love to meet people that are interested in sight and, you know, just talk some Oklahoma State football. So if you guys want to be there, uh, reach out to us on social media to get more details. But for the most part, if you just go on our, our site, it'll be there. That's this Friday, by the way, before the yes, Iowa this State fr- game. this Friday, before the Iowa State game. I, unfortunately, will be there. I have a, a prior engagement. Um, I'm actually part of the leadership of the Oklahoma State Alumni Association Central Arkansas chapter. Uh, we will be having our second watch party of the season. We're doing that at uh, Bar Louie out in, in West Little Rock. So if you are a uh, OSU fan in Central Arkansas, Bar Louie, it's at uh, 11525 Cantrell Road. It's going to be this Saturday. Come join us. We have a pretty good time every time. Uh, and it's just nice to be able to get some Oklahoma State fans together in hog territory and, and watch the game together. So if you're uh, an OSU fan in Central Arkansas, come join join me there this Saturday at 2.30 for the Iowa State OSU game. All right, awesome. That'll be a good deal. And hopefully you can get as many people as you can out there. Uh, but now let's talk a little bit about the game yesterday, recording on Sunday. Oklahoma State went into Kansas coming off a inexplicable loss to Texas Tech, and I'm still going to refer to it as such. But they went in and fl- played extremely well against a bad Kansas team, winning 48-28. Um, my initial takeaway from this one is, and it's just about player Landon Wolf. shout out to the former walk-on, now scholarship receiver, first career start, Led the team in receptions, yards, and had his first career touchdown pass or touchdown catch. I'm sorry, and everyone kind of was really concerned early on about how he was going to adjust and how the offense was going to adjust without Jalen McCluskey with his decision to transfer. But he stepped in just fine and looked really good as the main inside receiver. Dylan Stoner was out. Braden Johnson, who was a true freshman, came in to play, and 
Landon Wolf really stepped up and was the guy that Taylor Cornelius felt comfortable with him and Tylen Wallace. Uh, I think moving forward, he's going to be a huge part of this offense. I agree. You know, there are you read some stories from from Tulsa Wells and News OK. When Wolf has made comments about him and Cornelius have had a good relationship. You know, there was a lot of talk about Wolf preseason and in the summer about how impressive he was and how impressed Oklahoma State coaches were with him. But I think, and I know it's Kansas, so obviously everything is with a grain of salt, but thrust into that situation with Braden Johnson, who has you know no business starting for Oklahoma State at this point in his career, not saying he doesn't eventually, but at this point, uh, he was impressive, he was reliable, and he was, I think that, that first touchdown that OSU threw, and they threw it to him, where he had to slow down, turn around, and catch that TD, showed you that he plays like uh, a, someone who is older than his years because it, it, it sim- as easy as it seems to stop, pay attention, turn around, catch the ball, and score, I don't think it is as easy as he made it look despite kind of the poor pass by Cornelius. So he really impressed me in this game, and I look forward to seeing what he does, not just the rest of this season, but moving forward through his career. Absolutely. You got to Oklahoma State in the past has had so many guys that are just reliable receivers in that inside slot. And he looks like he's the next one up. And when you have him and Dylan Stoner in the middle, that's two guys that are as sure handed as it gets for uh, Cornelius to get them the ball. But speaking of Taylor Cornelius, I thought he played really well. I was, you know, 15 to 20, 312 yards, four touchdowns through one interception that, you know, Tylen Wallace didn't necessarily read too well on a 50 50. Um, but overall, they didn't ask him to do too much, and he excelled in that. And that's not to say that Taylor Cornelius is not a good player and you have to just force him to not do anything. But when you don't have to ask him to do everything, he's a pretty good quarterback. Like, there's nothing that he did yesterday really that concerns me moving forward. If they can just have him play the way he did and have that sort of game plan, then I think we'll be fine. You know, I think... If you look back at the Mike Gundy, Mike Yersich offenses from the past few years, Oklahoma State has been a quarterback-first offense. It's been predicated around the quarterback. This is the first time I feel like the offense is predicated around the running back. And this is the first game where it almost seems like Gundy and Yersich finally went, okay, we get it. It, it, This offense can't be built around Cornelius. It needs to be built around um, Justice Hill and... J.D. King and L.D. Brown and Shuba Hubbard. I don't know Brown didn't play. He's still injured. But this feels like it's it's not necessarily a run-first offense, but it's an offense that's predicated on the run game and that Taylor Cornelius doesn't have to be the, the leader of this offense. And when set in that position, he looked good. Let me also say, he threw... The two best passes I have seen him throw all season in this game, and they were both beautiful. They were both touchdown passes to Tyron Johnson. One was the 64-yarder after he overthrew um, John. Well, the other Johnson. He immediately, the next play, turns around, throws his beautiful 64-yard touchdown pass in stride right there for Johnson early in the, in the game. And then the one that was the fade route to the back corner of the end zone, Good grief, if you didn't fall off your couch and just go, ugh, and it take you back to Brandon Weed and Justin Blackman days, that 
pass was gorgeous. And I want to hope you can take this game one of two ways. And I took this, I've made this in my uh, six thoughts post on, on Cowboys ride for free. You can either view every negative of Taylor Cornelius and it backs up your belief that he is God awful and terrible. Or you can look at the positives and say, okay, we're hoping he's improving week by week and take the Texas Tech game as what it was as an awful game all around. Because if you take it as he's improving, this was his best performance. And let's be honest, he had a really good performance against Boise State. Boise State's awful, obviously better than Kansas. But Kansas is better than South Alabama. Kansas is better than Missouri State. And he had what I thought were some of his best throws in this game. And if that's what we can continue to see from him throughout the season, OSU is not going to be as bad off as we all thought they were. Yeah, exactly. And I think I saw someone, I think it was Mark Cooper, had a tweet during the game that through the first four games, Taylor was 3 of 19 throwing the ball more than 30 yards downfield. And I think he had four completions of 30 yards or more in this game. So maybe there's some improvement there. Either that or Kansas' secondary is actually that bad. Um, could be some kind of combination of the two. Which a little bit of A and a little bit of B. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But now I'm going to move into the defense a little bit. Uh, obviously, Calvin Bundage, who's been the spark plug on the defense, you know, as a, at the linebacker spot, he was out for this game. Darian Daniels, who's been a stalwart on the defensive line, he's out for the season, which is going to hurt a lot. But Justin Phillips, senior linebacker, stepped up big time. 12 tackles, 10 of them solo. And he had the forced fumble. He, he made some great plays. Devin Harper stepped up in the spot where Calvin Bundage would have started. Nine tackles, eight solo. Jordan Brailford committed war crimes on the right tackle all game long against Kansas with three sacks, five tackles for loss, and eight tackles just in general. So the linebackers' defensive line, pretty good. <laughs> Jordan, Bra- I love Calvin Bundage. And Cal- Calvin Bundage is the most exciting and fun player to watch on this Oklahoma State defense. Jordan Brailford, Brailford, pardon me, is the most important player on this defense. Hands down. The guy you cannot lose. You can have, because of the things that the rest of the defensive line does, when Calvin Bungett is healthy, he's allowed to do what he does. Jordan Brailford is the most can't-miss, cannot-lose, important player on this OSU defense. No, I completely agree with you. When you have pass rushers like that, it, when you lose them, it's very obvious. And with Oklahoma State's ability to get to the quarterback, I think they lead the country in sacks by a pretty wide margin. Yes. It will be very obvious when the defensive line, when they're not there. Now, to move to a few concerns a little bit. Oh, by the way, before I get to that, um, Oklahoma State listened, and they gave the ball to Justice Hill more than 20 times, so that was cool. Um, I don't want to see them give it to him 31 times against Kansas, but to see him do what he did, uh, that was very impressive. And when you give the ball to Justice Hill, good things happen. I didn't realize that was that hard of a concept to understand. Can I? I completely agree with you on the point of finally they gave him the ball. I don't need 31 carries against Kansas because Gundy's biggest concern is making sure that a he's not only healthy by the end of the season, but b we don't he doesn't get hurt. And and the more carries you give someone, the more likely they are to get hurt. I get it. You want him healthy. Um, we didn't need 31 against Kansas, which I know is like complaining about the fact that we finally got what we asked for. But I think there's another issue at the uh, the running game that I've noticed. Um, LD Brown's been out for a few games. Um, 
And I think that loss has hurt Oklahoma State more than people realize because not that defenses are selling out to stop the run. South Alabama did, but everyone else is, I believe there is a certain amount of, of, of preferring to stop the run and forcing Cornelius to beat them, which Texas Tech did, and, and obviously he couldn't do. Kansas did to some extent, and obviously he he did beat them. But I think there is a certain amount of trying to focus on stopping OSU's run game because of its potency. And it is limiting J.D. King's uh, effectiveness, which is why he only got a couple of carries in this game against Kansas. I think as long as defenses are at least focusing on stopping the run, not selling out to, but focusing to, J.D. King's effectiveness is kind of neutralized, where L.D. Brown would be more effective based off his style of running in these games. And not having him is kind of limiting OSU to Justice Hill and Chuba Hubbard. If they can get L.D. Brown back, I actually think the run game will be even more effective because of his style of run, even though defenses are trying to kind of slow OSU's run game down and forcing Cornelius to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, if we if L.D. Brown can get healthy, that's going to help a lot because he is a good combination of a speed and power back. I love J.D. King, and I love what he brings to this team. But absolutely. with him stacking the box, um, it's very hard for him to get anything other than maybe one or two yards when you absolutely need him to. He only got three carries in this game. Chuba got five. Just so obviously got the, the brunt, the the brunt of the load, which he absolutely should have. And I, he just continues to amaze me every game. And I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but his ability to make something out of nothing is just incredible. There were at least eight or nine times in this game where Kansas had him in the backfield for a three or four yard loss, and he turned it into three or four yard gain. It's it's absolutely incredible what he can do with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I. Uh, our uh, our running back wealth is just gross. Like it's it is. It really and I is. love it. Uh, as an OSU fan, it's great. If I was a non OSU fan, I'd be like, I hate this. Why can't we have? We can't we have four guys this deep? It's not fair. And why why can't we have nice things like that? Exactly. Why can't we have nice things? Oklahoma State really can't have nice things either. So let's just enjoy this while it's still here. Not in the secondary. That yeah. secondary was. Um, suspect and young and looked like an issue on Saturday, which was my only real issue with the defense was uh, those, most of those Kansas touchdowns were wide, wide open or complete collapses by the secondary. Yes. And uh, you know, that, that was kind of what I was going to bring up next was my concerns about the secondary, but I think a lot of it was just, they played really young yesterday Malcolm Rodriguez, I don't believe played at all. I know he warmed up, but he didn't play, and he's been really good as a retro, uh, as a true sophomore back there uh, as kind of a run stopper. But he he wasn't there. Um, and then Jarek Bernard and Colby Peel get the starts, uh, and they played well up to this point, so I think they earned it. However, Jarek Bernard did not play very well yesterday. He left a couple of wide open touchdowns. He had a punt. He had a attempt to punt block on special teams and roughed the punter which led to the touchdown that he eventually let go over his head. Um, so that was definitely a problem, but I don't foresee that being, I hopefully don't foresee that being a repeat, uh, a pattern of that. And then at the end of the game, when Kansas kind of started to get on a roll offensively, especially passing with Carter Stanley, 
it was it wasn't AJ Green or Darius Williams in the game. It was Kim Kima Severin, the Texas A&M grad transfer, and uh, Ter- Tanner McAllister, who is a true freshman corner. And they didn't really test Severin too much, but Tanner McAllister was getting just he he had a hard time with it, and I think that's how they, that led to a couple touchdowns. So to me, it's again kind of like with the uh, the defense. I really, I really think that this was more of them being young than really a major issue of talent in the secondary. I think they're just young and still trying to get their feet underneath them and used to the defense and playing meaningful snaps. Yeah, I think you're right on that point. The one thing you noted, and I think is important, are the penalties. Um, I'm working on something that'll be up on Cowboys Rivalry, Cowboys Rivalry, probably Monday, maybe Tuesday. It's about OSU's penalties this season. And what what concerns me, as bad as the special teams are, is this is the most undisciplined Oklahoma State team I think I've ever seen under Mike Gundy. Um, I agree with they you. are averaging 7.2 penalties a game, which is not the highest under Gundy's reign. That actually goes to um, 2009 when they were averaging uh, 7.46. I know we're talking 0.2 to 0.46, but it's seven penalties a game. It's not great. Where it, where it is concerning is that OSU is averaging 71.5 penalty yards a game, which is the highest of any Gundy coach team. So not only are we hitting a high in penalties, we're hitting a high in penalty yards, which means you're seeing a lot more 10s and 15-yard penalties than you are 5-yard penalties. They're averaging over 10 yards of penalty right now, which is really, really disheartening because I mean, penal- we all understand penalties are awful. I mean, not only does it hurt your team, it helps – the opposing team because you're giving giving up yards or you're giving the ball back, which we saw uh, against Kansas, you know, yesterday. Uh, you know, you give them the ball back when the defense made a great play and all of a sudden they get to go score a touchdown. It hasn't cost Oklahoma State yet, but it's the kind of thing like special teams last year where it was bad and then it, it finally just it, it killed them against Kansas State to some extent. I, I have a bad feeling that the special teams is going to come up and rear its ugly head in a game for OSU this season at some point where we're going to point to it and go, this is really what cost OSU uh, this game in 2018. Yeah, no, it's it's a problem. And, I mean, it, I don't think it necessarily cost Oklahoma State the game against Texas Tech, but it no. definitely had a – it definitely played a factor but it's not like it was a one possession game and one penalty did it. That was just a bad game to begin with. I'm waiting to. I'm hoping that we don't ever get to a point where it's one penalty that costs Oklahoma State a game. And if we're averaging 70 yards a game, you can go back and point to that for any game Oklahoma State loses this season, and that's going to be that's going to be looked at very very closely. When you look at 70 yards, think about it. 70 yards is a field goal. Yes. That's three. That, that's three points. That's three points in a game, and and there's going to be some loss where OSU's got eight or nine penalties and 80-something penalty yards, and you can look at it and go, OSU lost by three points. They give up this many yards, they have this many on special teams. I mean, again, you go back to Kansas yesterday, and I hate to harp on Jarek Bernard. He's done a great job. Um, he, had a, he had a rough day against Kansas. It happens. But you got the, 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 the running of the kicker penalty. They gave Kansas the ball back. The roughing the kicker roughing the kicker penalty that gave Kansas the ball back, and then he gave up the touchdown. Like Somewhere that's going to come back, and it's going to haunt OSU in a game somewhere against a Texas or, at worst, a Baylor on the road. But somewhere down the line, that's going to cost him a game this year. I just I have 
that's that's how things tend to go for OSU, where when there's something that isn't good for OSU, it will it will hurt them in a game to the point that it costs them a win. Yeah, and I hope that it never gets to that point, but you see it all the time with teams and one penalty makes the difference or, you know, it could be in the first quarter or the fourth quarter, but somewhere along the line, you just can't give teams three points. It's just not, it's not a good recipe for winning. And I know we kind of harped on them for a little bit, but I want to get back to a point that I just remembered uh, from what we talked about in the preview. Uh, I talked about how Oklahoma State needed to stop Puka Williams and they win this game pretty handily. And they did. They, he averaged, he was coming in averaging 130 yards a game and he only had 97 yards in this game on 13 carries. One of those was the 60-yard touchdown at the start of the second half. So, essentially, Oklahoma State gave up, if you take away that touchdown, about 37 yards for Puka Williams. So, they were able to stop him, and that's a huge reason why they won. Yeah, I mean, and that's 37 yards on, like, 14 carries, which is nothing. So, they did a really good... OSU has done... uh, That Texas Tech game, they had a problem just because Texas Tech was able to throw the ball over the place, so it opened some things up um, for Texas Tech. But OSU has done a really good job against the run this year. They really, really have. I, I give a ton of credit to the ends, to the scheme to put pressure, to the defensive line. Oklahoma State's defense has done a good job against run games this year. And I, and I think that's really going to help them out um, against teams like OU, uh, against teams like, looking to next week, Iowa State, where Running back David Montgomery not, might not be in the game, but I think it's going to really help them out in games where maybe there's a good run game and suspect quarterback play where they can take advantage of that, kind of like they did against Kansas on Saturday. Right, right. So I think we both kind of had the same concern moving forward, and then we'll you know we'll kind of wrap this one up. But the Cowboy back position is becoming a major concern for this team, uh, maybe because a they're racking up a lot of penalties i think you mentioned that half the penalties from yesterday came from holds or illegal contact on the cowboy back yes and yeah and four, just, four of yesterday's eight penalties were on uh logan carter and jelani woods awesome awesome um now hold up one of those is bullshit the the offensive <laughs> yeah. pass interference on what should have been a touchdown where the defender was yanking on jelani Woods' sleeve but the ref was behind the play and thought it was a push-off was bullshit. That was You're not right. a penalty. It was a touchdown, and the refs cost them twice because that was also a touchdown on the run by Cornelius that they said the ball didn't cross. The... Okay, I'm done. All right. Case in point, refereeing was rough yesterday. Moving not great. On. That's what not happens great. you play Kansas, and you get the crappy refs in the Big 12, which is saying something because the refs aren't that great. To do it. But... You get the bottom of the barrel when you play an 11 a.m. game against Kansas on Fox Sports Southwest. No kidding. All right. But you're just not seeing them really used very often either. So it's a position that is already underappreciated and now being underutilized. And I think it puts it has put the offense in kind of a rough position at times. And I'm interested to see what the future of the position is. I think Jelani Woods can be a an incredible player if they, they start using him and if it just clicks for him. And I think so, and you and I talked about this off air as well. All right, here here it comes. Hot hot take right fresh off the presses. The hot, the hot take is being – hot take cannons being fired. Let's go. Let's say this about Jelani Woods having watched him through a few games. He has issues. Um, he has only been playing this position since before – right before the bowl game last year. Based off his size, his athleticism, and, and the potential that you see watching him, 
if it clicks for Jelani Woods, he could be the most impactful player, especially in the red zone and in the end zone for Oklahoma State since Justin Blackman. Yeah, I mean, when you when you said that, I my first thought was there's no way, but I mean, there's no reason for him not to be. There's no reason for them to not throw to him every time when they're inside the 15 yard line. He's just he's just you watch him and you can tell like it hasn't clicked yet. He's still learning. He's still trying to figure out the position. But if it clicks for him, look out. He is going to be, and I don't know if it's going to be this year. It might be next year. But if Jelani Woods, and to some extent, I kind of think that's why they're playing him so much, even though I, I could I could do a 10-minute spiel on the concern about the Cowboy back over the last few years, but I'm not going to. If If things click for Jelani Woods, I think he's going to be, forget fan favorite, like huge, huge, huge for this team. No doubt. I, I saw him on campus probably a month, month and a half ago, and I'm about 5'10", so you can imagine how short he made me feel. And I looked at him, and I'm walking away going, if they don't throw him the ball every time in the end zone, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, obviously getting him, getting his feet wet and getting him adjusted to the offense, may, it's completely understandable, but man, they need to get him the ball. <laughs> They've tried. He just can't Again, it's he's still learning the position. Yeah. And if if he does, if it clicks, look out. Yeah, and then I, I told you this as well. I mean, I can't imagine. You you put Jelani Woods and Grayson Boomer on the field at the same time? Oh, my goodness. If they can develop Grayson I have issues with the cow. I'm not, I'm not getting into it today. Another time, another time. Absolutely. All right, so now let's talk a little bit about the Big 12 before we and college football as a whole before we wrap up. Uh, what were some of your thoughts from yesterday and some of the stuff that went on in the conference? This conference is flawed. Like yeah, yeah. every team, every team has major flaws. OU is really good offensively. <laughs> really, can we? For those who want to say Baker Mayfield is really good. But if you want to make the argument that a lot of it is Lincoln Riley, it's hard to argue against you just based off the fact that OU's offense looks as good this year a lot of the time as it did last year. The defense is still suspect. Uh, they looked a lot better against Baylor, but Baylor has a really Baylor has what I think is the third best quarterback in the Big Twelve, but not a lot around him, and they're just not good yet um so OU is really good Baylor has pieces but not enough Iowa State's got a decent has a really good defense and no offense TCU looks super talented but super super mistake prone of course their quarterback may be out for a while um I don't know what Texas is <laughs> I have I have no idea what Texas is. I don't know if they're good, awful, somewhere in the middle, or just an ever-changing, mutating blob that doesn't know what it is. Kansas State is garbage. Kansas State is the worst team in the Big 12 right now. Like, Kansas should beat Kansas State by 21 points. Um, we all, I mean, we talk about OSU all the time. Texas Tech had their best performance against OSU. Um, Alan Bowman is out. I don't know what they are. West Virginia is really good. They're also really flawed. 
like top ten, but could also be like out of the top twenty five. Um, who's left? Colorado State. I mean, great defense, no offense. Yeah, and if David Montgomery's out, that's a huge concern. The Big Twelve is incredibly flawed. The Big Twelve yeah. could literally get nine bowl teams or five. Like that's the problem with the Big Twelve this year is it has. I think the problem is the best way to define it is as indefinable. I don't know what these teams are week to week because week to week they're so different. They're just so inconsistent. So there's so much potential with a lot of these teams. There's to be both good and god awful. Outside of Kansas State, who is just god awful. Yeah. And uh, did you see uh, what Bill Snyder said after the game when they asked him about the quarterback situation? He said, I don't think whichever quarterback played would have made an impact on the game. I'm like, oh, man, they really don't have a quarterback. Like, Bill Snyder is taking the Bobby Bowden situation and and changing it from your Bobby Bowden. He's making it worse. Like, he's worse. He's now officially worse than Bobby Bowden was at the end of his Florida State reign. It is bad. And And the thing is, like, that K-State game still terrifies me. That's well, it's, in Ma- it's in Manhattan. Yeah, it, it just it, there's something about it that just feels eerie to me, and I hate it. I mean, again, it's in Manhattan. Anything can happen. I We're not getting any into Iowa State until Thursday's episode, but Iowa State makes me nervous. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, they always do. They always do. So then just I'm going to – I just have one storyline from the rest of college football that I really want to bring up. Well, two actually. Uh, one, shout-out to Mike Leach for running the true air raid where they won a game without having a single rushing yard. Zero. It's amazing. I, I, I haven't loved a stat line more than that in a long time. <laughs> and then two, everything is very divided right now in this country on social media. With no matter what, you know, believe, I'm not going to get too political here. But at least we can all come together and understand that was the worst play call I've ever seen in my life by Penn State on 4th and 5. God awful. <laughs> like, you took two timeouts for that? <laughs> but if you go back and really look, there was a poorly called game. Oh, it was. Game. Oh, it was. Which is disgusting because Penn State was the better team on that field, and it was a poorly called game where James Franklin really cost them that game. Yes. Man, the, I I was so excited for the end of that game, and it's a zone read on fourth and five with Iowa State, or I would say Ohio State with eight in the box. Like, oh, no. Yeah, but once Penn State got up in the fourth quarter, you watched that game and went, they're going to lose this. Oh, yeah. I, I knew it was coming. I just didn't want it to come. Agreed. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up this one? Uh, remember to uh, get to Iron Monk this Friday um, and, che- and meet up with Joel and Micah. Uh, they're going to do a live pod. going to be a really fun contest. Keep an eye on social media for information on how you can take part in that. But it's going to be a really neat thing. It'll be a Facebook Live as well, which I will try and jump in on. But definitely check out Iron Monk in Stillwater this Friday night. And then if you are in the central Arkansas area, anywhere, Conway, Benton, Little Rock, Searcy, if you're all the way that far, um, 
join us at Bar Louie in West Little Rock. Uh, we're going to do a watch party for the OSU Central uh, OSU Alumni Association of Central Arkansas chapter. Uh, we'll be at Bar Louie to watch the game at 2.30. Come join us there. We always had a lot of fun. It's a good crowd. Plus, it's just fun to go into hog territory and not care about Arkansas for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're going to come out to Iron Monk, please do. Um, if anyone wants to buy me a Stilly Wheat, you are more than welcome to do that. I will never turn that down. And uh, yeah, so uh, come out and you know enjoy. And we're going to talk about this again on Wednesday because we want as many people to be there as we possibly can. And we figure if we stick it in your head enough that uh, you'll know to be there at Iron Monk on Friday. And uh, Philip, once again, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXARPoke, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Southern Arizona. Um, you can also follow my other podcast, which is all Big 12. It's the 10-12, 10 teams, Big 12 Conference. Uh, it's on SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow us on uh, Twitter, at 10-12-podcast, at the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, we post a lot of stuff on there. The show's pretty good, I like to think. Uh, it's, so it's check solid. it out. It is, it is very well done. I appreciate uh, that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, you can follow me at JT Penfield and be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF for all things Oklahoma State football. We're getting close to basketball as well, so there's a lot more to talk about there. And uh, we will see everyone on Thursday for the recap or for the preview for the Iowa State game. And uh, hopefully this week is not as crazy as last week. And uh, we will see everyone then. Take care.